Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 2, Episode 8, Adam and Jesus, the same, but totally different. Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. If you're at all familiar with the beginning of the Bible, you you remember that how we got into the whole mess of the fallenness and the sin in the world and all of the corruption and wars and everything else we have going on right now starts in Genesis chapter 3 with the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. This week on this episode of Romans Untangled, we're going to examine how that one sin affected us all and how Jesus Christ's one act of sacrifice also affects us and ultimately changes the entire world. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is Pastor Steve Treichler here of Hope Community Church. Glad you're with us again. uh, Again, I just want to update for those of you who've been kind of following. Carol continues to do well. She had a heart attack on the 15th of February of 2022, and uh, the recording date of this is one week before you get it, so today is Monday, March uh, 7th, and so she's still doing well, tired from time to time, but every day, a little stronger. We're very grateful for everyone's concern and very grateful to God for all that he has done for us. This season, if you recall, we are spending a little time each week to just familiarize ourselves with one great theological term, one of the great doctrines or terms of theology that we can grasp, and and primarily we're doing this just to familiarize ourselves with these words, but also to just get a chance to see how simply amazing our great God is. And so last week, we looked at the issue or the the term common grace. Common grace is what's given to all people so that they can live and breathe and have their being, as Scripture talks about. And it's, it's available to everybody. This week, we want to talk about something called special grace, or it's effectual, or saving grace, it's often called. And I'm going to lean in one more time on Gail Dornbus's uh, definition here, the spirit and special grace. Uh, and she says this, she says, special grace is the unmerited and irresistible favor of God by which he redeems and renews, saving sinners and restoring creation through the work of Christ and by the power of the spirit. So this is different than common grace, uh, and we are going to look at this this week. So common grace given to everybody. Special grace is given to those who will believe, okay? And so there's a lot of great passages on this. Uh, I'm just going to quote one that we're going to look at here in just a few minutes. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 to 21. It says, The law was brought in so that to transp- the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, Grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And and so you see in this passage that this grace that's being talked about here is not just the grace that we have, that we have jobs and we our families are flourishing and some of those things. It's the grace that brings us back into a right relationship with God, saving grace or special grace. Let me quote once again from Gail. 
She says, grace is the unmerited favor of God bestowed freely to fallen humanity. Every blessing and gift finds its source in God's grace. However, while God's grace is one, it is differentiated into special and common grace. The latter, common grace, refers to God's general favor by which he restrains sin and its consequences, maintains human life and culture, and bestows gifts and blessings to all indiscriminately. The former, special grace, refers to the special favor of God by which he redeems and renews, saving sinners and restoring creation by the work of Christ through the power of the Spirit. Common grace restrains and compels but special grace redeems and renews. Common grace is given to all. Special grace is limited to the elect. Now, we haven't talked about the word elect yet, and we'll get there. But what he's saying is there's there's a certain thing that's given to believers. Those who believe, there's something that's given to you that is not given to everyone else. And we'll look into this. We're really going to dive into this next week uh, when we look at what the the uh, the order of salvation, orda salutis, it's called in Latin. And we'll look at that, and we'll start to unpack some of those terms next week. But as we're looking at the idea of grace, especially in the book of Romans, it is most of the time referred to as special grace or effectual grace or saving grace. And it's a beautiful gift that's given to us in Christ. Okay, now on to our Romans for this week. And we are going to dive into an amazing passage. I know I say that every week, but it's true. And uh, it's a little hard to follow grammatically, so I'm going to try to untangle this for you. First, I'm just going to read it through. Today, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version, just kind of change it up from time to time. And it says this, Romans 5, verses 12, all the way to the end of chapter, which is verse 21. It says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following trespass brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as One trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this is a beautiful passage and it and it kind of it's kind of the summary or the ending of Romans 3:21 to 5 
21, which is a section that is talking about, but now God has done something about our sin, and it kind of talks about what Christ did for us. When we hit next week, when we hit chapter 6, we're going to slightly turn the corner into something a little bit different. And so uh, be prepared for that. So we're, we're ending this up, and he's giving this as a summary. Now, let me just give you a simple, you know, this is called Romans Untangle. Let me, let me simply untangle this quite complicated, uh, and if you even heard me kind of stumble over the reading of this, and I'm not used to reading the English Standard Version as much as I am the New International, it, it's a little bit grammatically complicated. But let me give you the big idea. Here it is. Adam's one act of disobedience set in motion all of our downfall. Sin enters the world, death enters the world, spiritual separation from God enters the world, and we then get sucked up into that, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. We get sucked up into that so that we are under Adam, so to speak. We're all, by nature and by choice, under Adam, right? Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus' one act of righteousness, his... uh, Death upon the cross, that, that is, that those two are similar, Adam's act of disobedience and Jesus' act of obedience or righteousness are similar in that they have the power to affect many, many people, right? The difference, though, is uh, it's in complete opposite ways. <laughs> so Adam blew it, Jesus undid it, right? And so that's the big idea. Adam brings death, Jesus brings life. That's the big idea. And, and we're going to go into the weeds here a little bit, and I'm going to um, open some things up for, for you to look at. But I want you to not miss the big idea here is what Paul is trying to say is what our problem was in Genesis 3, Jesus Christ has undone. No longer is the curse that was pronounced on us in Genesis chapter 3, it's not held over us. Now, we still live in a world where the curse is still you know, as far as the curse is found, as the as the Christmas carol goes, right? It's still here. One day we'll live in a place where there is no curse. Revelation twenty uh, one and twenty two. There's no more curse. But but right now we're here. But it no longer has effect on those who have believed. You 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 are different now. You're you're set free from that. Okay. With that said, let's dive into it. Let's kind of go into it a little bit chunk by chunk. We'll kind of go uh, 12 to to 14, and then we'll look at 15 all the way through 19, and then we'll look at verses 20 and 21. So let's kind of break these into three. First thing, though, we just have to understand what is even happening here grammatically, and it doesn't even seem like a sentence. And if you have your Bible open, most of the versions have a dash at the end of chapter, excuse me, at the end of verse 12. There's a dash, and what he's getting at here is it seems like Paul is interrupted, and people are like, when does he pick his thought up? And some people say verse 18. Uh, we'll, We'll get back to this in just a minute. But for now, if you happen to notice that that seems a little complicated, that's totally fine. It'll kind of flow here in just a minute. All right, let's take a look at verse 12. There's four things I want you to notice here in this very packed verse. Number one, it says that sin entered the world through one man, and that was Adam. Okay. Second, it says that death entered the world through sin. Okay, so that's this. The, the, it's very important you follow that. 
Adam lets sin in. Sin opens the door, so to speak, to death. Okay? Then, third, death spreads to all people, all men or all people, whatever your version says. And fourth, the reason that is, is because all sinned. Now, this is the first kind of place where it gets a little bit, people disagree. On what does that mean that all sinned? So it could mean that when Adam sinned, he was our representative, and in him, we all sinned. We were all guilty of, of being sinners uh, by nature because we Adam was our head. He was our representative. And then so therefore, when he sinned, it was as if we all sinned. This was looked at upon uh, for many centuries as kind of the way it was until a guy by the name of Pelagius came along and said, no, every single person is given the opportunity. They're born without sin, and then they, they have an opportunity to choose to sin or not. They're born sinless. Is was basically his idea, and it was, it was he was actually winning the day in Christianity until Augustine actually came along, debated him, and they came with no, that's that's actually a heresy. We are by nature sinners. The third option, though, is that it could mean a little bit of both. That what 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 Pelagius was trying to to hold up was that we choose sin. And what the what the more traditional reading was is where it's Adam was our head, and because when he sinned, we all sinned. So it could be that both our nature is corrupt, and we also choose to sin. And I kind of lean in on this third one. Why? Because of verses thirteen and fourteen. For that's verse the beginning of verse thirteen, which means I'm going to explain this now. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Okay, so what it's basically saying is there was sin going on, but before there's explicit law given, you can't count that against people. In other words, you can't just uh, tell people, go ahead and drive here, and then they drive and then give them a speeding ticket, even though there's no sign for the speed limit. Uh, there was no law. Uh, until the time of Moses. Um, and so that's the argument, is that the sin was there, but the law wasn't given yet, but sin is not counted when there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, this this admittedly is a little bit, you know, that's why you listen to a podcast called Romans Untangled. It's a little tricky here. He's saying the time from Adam to Moses. Okay, so there's Adam and Eve. They fall into sin, and yet everybody both spiritually dies and physically dies from Adam to Moses. Even though the passage says you didn't sin quite the way that Adam did, and he was a type, he's like an, an example, or he's going to be like Christ, but in the complete opposite way of the one who was to come. Okay, so the idea here is death still reigned from Adam to Moses. And so you could say, well, death reigned because, yes, we hadn't sinned by breaking a commandment, but because Adam sinned, we all died. And yet, Paul has gone, gone uh, out of his way in this book 
to explain that all people are under law. In Romans chapter 1, he spends a lot of time talking about people who don't have the Old Testament commands. They they do all these things, and they exchange the, the glory of God for other images, right? They, they give, they exchange creator for creation, right? And that's the, the sin that's involved. They don't worship God, but they worship creation. And so Paul's basically saying in there, and he says in Romans one thirty two, in a verse that we've quoted many times, that even though they know the ordinance of God, even though they know the law of God, uh, they don't do these things, and they they approve of others who don't do them. I'm, I'm roughly quoting that. So the idea here is, is that the reason that death reigns from Adam to Moses is that there is a law. It's just not the stated law. It's not the law given to the Jewish people. It's not those who are are going to be under that law. It's just the law that's on everyone's heart. And what is that law? We talked about this in season one. Uh, that's the law of the knowledge of good and evil. It's when Adam and Eve sinned, they got the, the, the knowledge of good and evil. It's the law in their hearts that points at them and says, sinner. So, this passage is kind of linking into all of that. So sin comes into the world through one man, and I would argue and say that's both nature. We're, we're given a corrupt nature, and we're also susceptible to sin. We choose to sin. So it's both those things. Therefore, death spreads to all people. Tom Schreiner doesn't actually think that there was a, uh, a break there, there shouldn't be a dash here. He thinks it's a complete sentence, and his ter- his translation is of verse 12 is, since sin and death entered the world through one man, so also death spread to all people since all sinned. And I, I, I actually think that's a fairly decent way of going about it, so I would kind of lean that it's it's one big thought. However, when we get to verse 18, you can see there's going to be a big contrast. He's going to talk about the 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 what Adam did and then what Christ did. And he's going to kind of pick that up here real quickly. So that's verses uh, 12 to 14, kind of saying Adam caused all this to happen. As a result, all of us sinned by nature as Adam is our head. He was our, our, our head. They call it a federal headship in theological language, meaning on our behalf, he sinned, and therefore in him, we all sinned. But also, he gave us a corrupt nature, and so we also chose to sin uh, on our own. That leads us now to verses 15 to 19. And 15 to 19 is pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward. He's going to say, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Now, this is an interesting thing to say because what he's going to basically say is it's exactly like the trespass. Christ is exactly like Adam, except in the complete opposite way. <laughs> so the way he's got to say that is it's not at all like that. <laughs> and yet he's going to compare them completely. And if you just if you have your Bible open, you can just kind of walk through this. And he, he says, for if many died through the one man trespass, how many more or much more have the grace of God and the free gift of God uh, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many? So if, if many people were affected by this, and in fact, all people were, many can be affected by the, the death of Jesus. All who will believe, they, they, can, they can have eternal life. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for judgment followed one trespass, brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought 
justification. So do you see what he's saying here? He's saying the the one trespass, Adam's sin, ends up bringing condemnation to the world. Christ actually covers not just one transgression, but all of the transgressions for all time of all people who would eventually put their faith in Christ. There's all those sins are covered by the free gift, as he says. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more or much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's a really difficult sentence to read, but basically saying death was given through Adam and Jesus Christ completely undoes that. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Now, one of the things that you probably have already picked up here a little bit is like, wait a minute now, it sounds like Adam's sin goes to everybody. But Jesus' gift or the the act of righteousness or his self-sacrificing display on the cross where he propitiated or took our wrath that was deserving of us is only effective for those who believe, right? And so you start to hear and hear like, wait a minute, we hear all and all, and it's the old joke where, um, you know, people say that all doesn't always mean all (laughs) in the Bible. It doesn't. He's trying to say it's effective, it's, it's sufficient for all. And then he goes on to even clarify that by saying, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, verse 19, so by the one man's, Christ's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So he's he's highlighting this to, to give this like, this is what's going to happen for those who believe. Through the one, we are made sinners, but on the other hand, through Christ, we were made righteous. So in a sense, in who we really are on the on the on our soul or our spirit or whatever the core of our being is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not a sinner in that category. You're righteous. Now, because we have flesh, the flesh is still susceptible to sin. And so, yes, we are in effect still a sinner. The whole package. We are we are people that are both spirit, soul, and body, right? So it's this inner being who we are, our inner man, as Paul calls it. We'll see in a few weeks when we look at Romans chapter 7. Uh, there's something about us that's made alive, but this flesh is still there. And, and we're going to really unpack that when we get to Romans uh, chapter 7. Okay, now let's move on to verses 20 to 21. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, do you you see what it's saying here? It's saying here you have this timeline. You have Adam and Eve and they sin, and then you have the time between Adam and Moses and their sin is counted against them, 
And yet, when you add the Ten Commandments and all the laws that were given to Moses, now the law comes in, and the amazing thing is what Paul says here. He says that came in to increase the trespass. Now, isn't that an amazing, that's simply an amazing thing to say. Uh, the NIV has, it says, it says this, it says, um, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. That, that, that we would see that sin becomes more readily available. Whoa, wait a minute here now. You're telling me that God adds the law, and once there's rules, then people start to break more of them? And that's exactly right. Now, what in the world? Why would you do that, right? Why would God add a law that he knows sinful humans are going to break? And the only and best answer for that is we needed to get hit upside the head and make it really clear that we needed a Savior. You, you, just, you just don't get it until you realize how at the end of your rope you are. And so God does this. In the, in the course of biblical history, there's a time before Moses, be, before the law comes in, that, that people are just running around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But when that law comes in, it actually means the trespass, the sins increase. And here's the deal about God. That doesn't threaten him at all. He knew that was totally going to happen. And then the passage goes on to say, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Did you see that there? Now, Paul's going to pick up on that very thing in Romans 6, chapter 1. So we're going to pick that up next next week. when Where sin is great and it's increased and you feel like there's no chance or it's fourth and 99, to use a football analogy, God comes through with grace abounding all the, all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign. Grace is going to win through righteousness leading to eternal life. Okay, that's our passage. I, I just want to bring up one thing that often as I've taught this passage and I've been involved with people in this passage over many, many years, it, it just comes up a lot. And this is the idea of this. It, it, in a sense, it seems like um, it's not quite fair. And if you think about it, you know, you and I weren't in the garden of Eden. We weren't given a chance to eat from any tree of the garden, the fruit of any of the trees of the garden, except not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We were not given that option. Adam was given that option, Adam and Eve, and they blew it, right? And so in a sense, it's kind of like, that's not fair, right? Why then, because of one person's sin, even though they're part of our history, you know, it's our great, 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 keep going a long way back, grandfather and grandmother, they did it. Why am I punished for that, right? It just doesn't seem right. And there's a, there's a lot of explanations theologians have given. But let me just talk to you just about the passage. I've taught this passage to people for 30 years. I have never, ever had someone say to me by reading this same exact passage, you know what, I read this passage and it just isn't fair. 
that Jesus Christ would pay for my sins. I mean, that's not fair. He didn't do anything. And yet he gets my sin? That isn't fair. I've never heard that once. No one has ever said that before. And so the idea is that, yes, there's something that happened because of Adam and it affected us all, but the same exact the same exact rule of fairness is applied to Jesus Christ, where he takes our sin upon himself. So whether if you don't like the fairness of the one, you also can't then switch it and say, well, it's not fair, Jesus, you take my sin. I'll deal with my own sin, thank you. It's something that has to go both ways. Hey, next week we're going to dive into Romans 6. It's a shift in Romans. If you look at most outlines on Romans, you see that Romans 6 kind of shifts gears a little bit, and we're very excited. Paul's going to pick right up on where he left off there, that where where sin abounded, grace abounds so much more, and he's going to pick up with that. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week on Romans Untangled.